0: Hey, it's Sunny Days. I am the co-host and co-creator of Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. Listen, I am a podcast her, okay? H-E-R, an activist, a thought leader, pin pusher, and lover of poodles. And I'm Lisa Davis, MPH. I am a lover of social justice, healthy living, dogs and i love being the co-host and co-creator of active allyship it's more than a hashtag now is the time for honest unfiltered conversations for authentic voices and their stories and for connection. Join us as we confront the moment head on with this podcast. It is passionate. It is real as lives behind the headlines. Active allyship, it's more than a hashtag. And listen, it goes beyond the likes, the retweets, and the hashtags, making space for the vital dialogue necessary for racial justice. And now on to the show. Davis, so glad you're listening to Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. My wonderful co-host is away today. Joining us now is Brendan Nicholas Slocum. He is going to be talking about his wonderful book, The Violin Conspiracy. It is a riveting tale about a Black classical musician whose family heirloom violin is stolen on the eve of the most prestigious classical music competition in the world. It also goes into the racism in classical music and much more. Uh, Brendan was born in Yuba City, California, and was raised in Fayetteville, North Carolina. He was a concert master for the University Symphony Orchestra at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro, and served as a principal violinist. He has performed with numerous small chamber ensembles and in the Besk String Quartet. For the past 23 years, he has been a public and private school music teacher and is a noble educator of distinction. He also serves as an educational consultant for the Kennedy Center, as a concertmaster for the Nova Annandale Symphony Orchestra, Today, Brendan lives in Washington, D.C. The Violent Conspiracy is his first novel. Brendan, welcome to Active Ship. It's more than a hashtag.
1: Thank you so much. It is a pleasure to be here.
0: It's so nice to have you on. First of all, it's a great book. I really have I was like, who did it? Who did it? I don't want to give too much away. <laughs> and it's a very short interview. What I want to jump into, though, is it's about you are a classical musician. You are a violinist. Yes. You are also a black man. And for way too many dumb people, they don't seem to understand that that can work together. That's part of why we created the show Active Allyship is more than a hashtag to teach not just people about allyship, but mostly to teach people about systemic racism and bias and white privilege and how we overcome these things, how we have these hard conversations. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about yourself and then about Ray and about some of his experience, how they mirror yours. And what was it like to rewrite some of those racist experiences, because I wanted to beat the crap out of that Uncle Roger guy. Like what a piece of garbage that man is. See, people have to read the books. They know what I'm talking about.
1: Oh, good old Uncle Roger! Yeah, I tell you. Um, I started playing violin when I was nine, um, and it it was just a life changing experience. It you know it gave me just everything that I needed, all the tools that took me to college, took me around the world, met some incredible people. Um, and I, I play currently in a symphony in Northern Virginia, and I, I play in string quartets, and you know I I play weddings and concerts and recitals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, playing violin has been a life-saving experience for me it has just been amazing it's given me all kinds of opportunities and in the story Ray is the same way um you know he discovers that his old family fiddle is actually a priceless Stradivarius and it takes him to superstardom in the world of classical music and right before the Tchaikovsky competition which is the Olympics of classical music his violin is stolen you know who took it will he compete will he get it back you gotta read it to find out
0: Yes, you do. And, you know, it was interesting in the book when you're looking at people who are supportive and then people who are, maybe they want to be supportive, but they're nervous, right? So you look Mm -hmm. at Ray's mom and she's talking about some, I don't know if this is right, but if I remember correctly, but somebody named Ricky had gotten his GED and now he's working and you're like, I am working, you know, I'm going to get paid for this. And she's like, well, you could get your GED. And then you have the grandma, Nora, who's after your real grandmother. Mm -hmm. He's like, you can do this, right? So I think when people... It's more out of fear, wouldn't you say, with the mom, than and knowing how crappy the world is and with the the racism of like just be safe and get a job. Do I have that do you think am I hitting that I, right?
1: I'm, I'm glad you picked up on that. I like for people to, you know, draw their own conclusions. Some people think, oh, wow, that mom is just, a oh, she's just a witch. And, you know, other people have actually picked up, you know, maybe this was her way of trying to protect Ray. She didn't want him to experience the defeat and the disappointment of going into a field that black men have not been known to to be successful in. So that was her way of discouraging him when she did that. It was her way of protecting him.
0: And what was it about the grandmother, your grandmother, Ray's grandmother? What was it that gave her that, I guess, that ability to be like, you know what? You're just gonna go for it. You can do it. I have faith in this.
1: But she knew grandma Nora in the book. She is actually my real grandmother. She was the sweetest woman in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and she knew that Ray loved what it was that he did. And and because he loved it so much, you know, he he always she wanted him to stay true to who he was and to always be himself. And she just loved him to the point that she wanted him to be successful. And I will support you in anything you do, Ray. So if this is what you want to do, you do it, and you love it. And you just do it to the best of your ability and don't let anything stop you.
0: You know, one of the things that really was so disheartening is I I was listening to you in an interview and you were saying that before George Floyd, people told you you were exaggerating when you would talk about these racist incidences and even your editor. This is what really (laughs) said to take certain things out. Oh, this doesn't happen. And you said, yes, it does. And yes, it did. So talk to us about that. It
1: just, I mean, you hit it right on the head, even with my agent. You know, he, one of the first things, first... Fights that we had, which was, you know, they're good. These are good things to do, and he always he encouraged me to, you know, he's you know convinced me. I was like, okay, I will. First thing he said was, I can't have, I can't sell a book with a protagonist whose name is Raekwon. I can't do that. No one's gonna buy that. I said, that's exactly why you need to do it. We need to, you know, not everyone's name is Mike, Peter, Paul, Bill. You know, it's there are people out here that these are real people. Um, you know, instances that took place like the wedding scene or the Baton Rouge scene or the Boston scene. These things really do. Happen, and not only uh, the the readers and, and and a couple of my editors. They they no oh, things like this don't happen. My friends growing up, I would 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 you know tell stories of these experiences. Oh, Brendan, you are just exaggerating. Oh, you are just being a little bit too melodramatic. That's not real. That doesn't happen. And yeah, it really does. And to to see everything being validated in this book, it's just I mean, it's it's very rewarding. And I am glad that people get to see that things like this do happen, and it it shows people a different perspective.
0: Yeah, and I'm really glad that you didn't shy away from it that, and you talk about it because it is. It's essential and it's part of who you are and what you've had to deal with, right? Absolutely. So and, and what Ray's had to deal with. You know, this this other idea too with going back to that, you know, who Uncle Roger, he, he writes, you're, you're there to play at a wedding. He's like, look, you need to leave before I call the cops. This is a private event. Is this is a wedding, not a rap concert. I'm right. Like, <laughs> like, how narrow? I mean, it's those narrow boxes that people put black people in yeah and yet it's like so insane and ridiculous
1: yeah you you think about it now it's like why would anybody do that you know he's he's a kid with a violin ready to play at a wedding and why would he not be able to do that just just because he's black you know it's just no reminded people i like to think that that uncle roger in the story he just you know maybe he was having a bad day you never know i like to be i like to give people the benefit of the doubt i'm an optimist
0: I like that. Now give me his address. I have to go to some.
1: (laughs) He lives in Charlotte.
0: Oh, okay. I'll have to. Uh, I've always wanted to go to Charlotte. No, actually, I really want to go to Chapel Hill. I hear it's beautiful there. I was just there. It is. Oh, were were you? Yeah. Yeah. I was there this weekend. Oh, nice. Oh, I also want to mention how exciting it is that uh, you are a Good Morning America February's book club selection and you got to go play in Carnegie Hall. Oh my God, that moved me so much that people have got to look up that segment. It was beautiful.
1: It was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. You know, I, I I literally was speechless. I I get to the last couple of notes and I'm like, I'm really playing on the stage at Carnegie Hall. This is really happening. And it was, it was like a dream come true. It was amazing.
0: Oh, I bet. And what was it like, the act of writing? Because I know that, like, I wrote a book, but I had some help, I'll be honest. And it was also a lot of interviews in the book with different health experts and stuff. Mm-hmm. But this is, like, your real-life experience but woven into – so it's it's – fiction right but it's it's based, it's based on in the, fact yeah yeah but it's fact. very interesting what was it like for you and, and is writing something that you've always had a gift at like with music or is it different
1: I think the musical aspect of my life really uh, bled over into the writing. Just, just being creative with the music was really helpful in, in writing. And, you know, I have a terrific agent, um, who helped me structure things and we outlined everything and, and the, the stories, they would just pour out of me. And I was like, okay, this is really cathartic to be able to get this out. And it's here. It's here. It's here. It's on the page. And he helped me with the suspense aspect. And, you know, let's, let's work on the pacing here. What do you think about this? And we, we did a lot of collaboration and, I mean, that this it, it ended up great. I am so proud of this book. I'm so, so happy that it turned out as well as it did.
0: Well, it's excellent. Now, what advice do you have uh, for young Black people who want to get into classical music? And, and how did, I mean, it's so hard to deal with the, the crap that's going to get thrown their way. But if you have that burning passion in you, right? It's like, and, and you go for it. You can't let the, can't let the haters stop you. But you know what I mean? Like you can't. You have to live your life.
1: You're absolutely right. Just you, you, you can't give up. You stay true to who you are. If you believe in it and you really want to do it, you don't let anything stop you. And there are going to be tons of obstacles in your way. You can't let it stop you. It's what you want to do. You do it. It's your life. You go and live it the fullest.
0: But what's it like, though, when if you're the only black person in a sea of white faces, and I think you mentioned then the audience, it's like all these white people. It, it, I, I would think it'd be kind of awkward and also like why is it like this? Why is it this snobbery to it?
1: It it uh, actually is. I mean, even to this day, it's still a little bit disappointing. You know, I, I play in a symphony and, and I'm the first cheer player and I look out in the audience and there's not a whole lot of black faces out there and uh, nor are there on the stage that I'm playing on. And um, it's, uh, you get accustomed to it, which is sad. I don't really want to get used to that. But um, I think the the answer, and it's starting to happen, I'm hoping that this book will, will help Open those doors to those conversations that's it's all about exposure you know let's right. expose our kids early on instead of taking them to a symphony once a year. let's go once a month you know let's put instruments in their hands let's let's see what they can do. Let's play music in the hallways, let's play music on the subway on the metro on the bus wherever you are and just exposure. I think that's the way to really really start the conversation.
0: I think so too. I also love that you talk about the first piece of classical music that you heard was Mozart's Symphony number no. 40. Talk to us a little bit about your teacher Miss Holmes in 3rd grade. We only have a couple minutes, which is why I hope you'll come back. Uh but tell us a little bit about this.
1: I'd love to come back. Uh Miss Holmes, she actually played um we were playing a game and and she you know, sang a little song bum da dum. it's a bird, it's a plane. it's a Mozart and that just oh. stuck with me. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is I've never heard music like this It's fantastic. I love it and it it just it was it was embedded in my soul from that day and I was in third grade and I absolutely loved it. and I would listen to classical music on the weekends. I was like, I gotta get more of this stuff and it was just fantastic. It was as a life-changing event.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Well, the book is incredible, The Violent Conspiracy. Brendan Slocum, tell us all the ways we can get your incredible book.
1: Awesome. Uh, my website, brendanslocum.com, B-R-E-N-D-A-N-S-L-O-C-U-M-B.com. Same handle on Instagram. Shoot me a, I, I, you know, shoot me a text. I would love to hear what people think about the book. Same on Facebook and Twitter. You can find the book at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Indie Books, Books a Million, Target, Walmart. Mm-hmm. Go to my website. There's a lot list a mile long of places that you can get it. And I hope you guys pick it up and enjoy it.
0: Well, I'm over the moon excited. I think it's great. I think you're awesome. Thank you so much for listening to Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Tell your friends and family. This is really important and we want to get the word out. So glad that you're listening. Please keep coming back. Also, follow us on Instagram at Active allyship.podcast. Thank you so much.